0: Hi, and welcome. You're listening to the Church Renewal Podcast from Flourish Coaching. Flourish exists to set ministry leaders free to be effective wherever God has called them. So when pastors or churches feel stuck, our coaches refresh their hope in the gospel and help them clarify their strategy. I'm your host, Alan Edwards, Operations Director at Flourish Coaching. Today on the podcast, we're continuing our conversation about joyful and reverent worship as it intersects with church renewal. So often in these conversations about worship and church renewal and revitalization, people expect there to be a a conversation about one particular style to attract people to your church. But if you listened last time, you'll know that that's not really our philosophy at Flourish. Our philosophy is thoughtful, joyful, reverent worship that best reflects you and your congregation. We're gonna continue that conversation and continue to talk about how, regardless of the style of our service, How can we have a missionary mindset so that we might participate in the great work of renewing our churches and gathering people, gathering worshipers that Jesus has sent us out to gather? We'd love for your participation in this uh, conversation. So hit us up on Twitter at Flourish Coach One. That's Flourish Coach and the number one. Or on Facebook, just search Flourish Coaching. Our executive director, Matt Bolin, is going to join us today to talk about joyful and reverent worship. So come on. Let's dig in and explore the ways that Jesus is renewing his church. Hey, Matt, welcome back to the podcast. Glad to be here. So last time we were uh, having a conversation about worship and uh, how how worship intersects with church renewal. Uh, one of the things I think we fell into is something that's just very common in conversations about churches and worship, and that is we kind of got straight to talking about music and music style. But of course, worship is bigger and more than that, right? For sure. Music's, uh, to add one more pin to the music stuff. Interestingly,
1: um, validated research reveals that one of the areas of strength that's needed in an effective renewal pastor is that they have musical interests. Musical interests. Does that mean that they can play the piano? No. It doesn't mean they can play the piano. What it means is that they're interested in the way that things sound and are experienced. And that's critical because if you're a missionary, right? And that's what all congregations are. They're a missionary tactical force, right? If you're a missionary, how you're heard, not just what you say, but how you're heard is extraordinarily important. Because how you're heard is part of good communication. Mm-hmm. And so having the musical interest, what it seems is that by having musical interest, um, I, I can't play any instrument. Um, it took me a long time to even learn how to sing the correct notes. Mm-hmm. Right. It was a lot of work. When Ellen first met me, I actually <laughs> could not sing uh, a tune accurately. I can now. But it was only because I worked very hard at it. My wife's very good at it. She helped me learn it. Now I can actually carry a tune but I had no musical background in my family. I had to learn this. I had to learn what does our service sound like to people who come in and be concerned about that
0: Mm. to care Um, about
1: it, to care about it, not to be like, um, people pleasing or, you know, was that hip enough? No, not like that. But, um, was it awkward? Mm. Um, did we provide an experience, yes, an experience that was easy to take because we had been deliberate and thoughtful about the way we constructed it and led it. So
0: our primary audience in worship is the Lord. Absolutely. Secondarily, worship is a place where God's people gather to renew our relationship with Him. Right. Right. But that doesn't mean we neglect this third purpose, which is when there are unbelievers in our midst who we would hope would come into our midst. Right? Absolutely. We don't, we don't keep them in the outer court anymore. No. This isn't old covenant worship; it's nope. new covenant worship. When there are unbelievers in our midst, they are they are getting access to or brushing up against this renewed gospel relationship between God and His people. Yes. And were they able? to at least apprehend and comprehend some of that. Absolutely. So moving maybe just beyond music for a minute, because, because those kinds of barriers to the to the non-believer can exist, not just in our music style, but they can exist in, in how we pray, how we speak. They can exist in the assumptions we make in our preaching. I, I think one of my pet peeves uh, uh, with preachers is when they use phrases like, we all know the story of, or you know the that time that King David, right? Maybe they maybe not everybody in the congregation does know that. Sure. So um, so moving beyond that, let's cast a vision. What what does it look like when a church is committed to being renewed and revitalized in the gospel of Jesus? If I'm coming in from the outside, what are the what are the fruits and the artifacts I'm gonna see that tell me this church is being thoughtful and and missionary-minded and joyful and reverent in their worship. Yeah. I
1: think it, what I, am I going to see here? Sure. Right. Sure. I, I think that you're going to see, one of the things you're going to see, um, is, is excellence. Okay. Not performance, but chosen excellence. Uh, we talked a little bit in the, the part one of this about, uh, the worship at the church that, um, that I pastored when, when Alan was a senior in high school. And, um, the the music was so bad at that church. <laughs> How bad was it? We sang uh, our songs off of. Uh, now, some of you who are Gen Z, you're going to have to go look this up. <laughs> we used MIDI files. <laughs> some of you who are Gen X or Boomer or later now are chuckling because maybe you, you also had to experience the horror of doing that. Um. Yeah, we were uh, excellence in worship had been had not been one of the hallmarks um, of that particular church plant. And one of the fruits of that was that we just didn't have musicians who could lead us well. And so we were reduced to using um, sounds off a computer that sounded like a
0: computer that sounded this is a, like a computer you gen z and 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 younger millennials like you're used to music off of a computer cuz all music is off of a computer today but 25 years ago music off a computer sounded like someone was typing on a computer creating yeah, it music was it pretty, was pretty it was pretty awful and so i think with that that music
1: that is not done thoughtfully and well services that are not constructed and led well
0: mm-hmm.
1: um what people, when they walk in, they go, oh, these people must not care about this this much.
0: Okay, yeah. So I've heard Tom Rainer talk about this a little bit. And he he says that there isn't a style that is perfect for millennials to attract them to your church. But what matters is that whatever you're doing, it, whatever you're doing, do it well. Yes. Doesn't mean that you have to, Absolutely. if you're going to use pianos and a hymnal, doesn't mean you have to have a concert pianist come in and play. Right. But it means you have to have a thoughtful and competent pianist so that it's not distracting the worshipers from the God that they are to worship. And I think one of the things, can I tell you a story? Sure. Um,
1: the church that I led in, in um, to s- switch to a different church, church that I led in Seattle, um, we had um, uh, it, it, this, conversely, the opposite had a plethora. Of musicians mm-hmm. and particularly excellent singers that have been a church um, that for quite a long time had a choir. And so, anyways, that all these trained voices, anyways. So, we had a lot to draw on in terms of the quality of people that could play instruments and the quality of people who could sing. Here's um part of it though that was challenging. Um, they were not taught. Um, particularly the singers had not been taught that people are going to look at you and expect that your face is going to reflect the emotion of the song you're singing.
0: Mm. Uh,
1: occasionally due to sickness or whatever, uh, maybe once or twice a year, um, we would I would end up um, leading from up front uh, at that church. Um, A lot of times in the summer or the worst of the flu season or whatever, where we couldn't get um our our team of singers together. And when I would, the consistent response that I got from people was, um, your voice isn't as good as the normal people we have, which is true. Ah. But we love it that you smile when the
0: song is joyful. Mm. So what I hear you saying is, Whatever you're doing, musically, you have to be thoughtful. And if if I'm going to go into a church, a church that is experiencing and drawing people into renewed relationship with God, their worship is at least going to be thoughtful, competent. Um, what else would I expect? A church that is experiencing gospel renewal, what else might I expect out of their service? So So let's move beyond music. I mean, I think one of the things we would expect is we'd hear people sing. Yes. One of the saddest things, you go into some big churches with amazing bands and you can't hear anyone singing. You go into small churches with less than competent musicians and voice leaders and nobody's singing. And you go into big churches with extremely competent professional musicians and singers and nobody's singing. So I think one thing you're going to hear in a church that is deepening their relationship with God is singing. Absolutely. Um, but let's move beyond music too. What, what, what are some other characteristics of a church undergoing renewal, that, that we're this we're vision, what, what would it look like? Sure, sure. I think
1: that one of the things that many churches need um, is their service actually doesn't reflect the gospel. Okay. It's not shaped by the gospel. So one of the resources that we're, we'll mention here again at the end um, is something called Christ-Centered Worship by Brian Chapel, And I think that the point of that is that if the point of getting together on the Lord's Day is to worship him um, and for us to re-experience the gospel. Then the service, one of the things you'd experience if you came in is you you would you would have the opportunity to experience the gospel anew. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that you would see. Yeah. In churches that, that um, I was in it recently at a client church, and um, I was just in the service, and I was like, you could not re-experience the gospel. The service, the way they had it constructed, it had modern music. And by, modern by, by music, which you mean the order of
0: things they did yeah, in the service. The
1: order yeah. of things that they did in the service. And so, um, to me, that's a that's a it's a great opportunity missed. Even though they were singing more modern music mm-hmm. with more modern instruments, you couldn't ever experience the gospel in that church
0: hmm.
1: by the way the service was constructed. Hmm. um The v- voices that were leading the worship were were good. They were competent. They were on key. Um it was it was uh for them, uh, it was constructed well and led well, but you couldn't have experienced the gospel in it. Right. And I think that's a really, really grave mistake. If Paul's whole way that he does ministry is to say what you people, the people of God need is to re-experience the gospel, then our services, it seems to me, should
0: reflect that. Yeah, I always use the phrase rehearse the themes. Our worship should rehearse the themes of the gospel. That we give praise to our Creator, we mourn our fall, we cherish or rejoice in our redemption, and we are sent to go and live and and walk with Christ. Um, changes in worship can be hard to navigate. If we are a church that is, if we're if we're a church that is struggling in need of revitalization, or if we're we're a church that has good pieces that just need to be even rearranged, sure. Changes in worship can be really hard to navigate. There's a minefield of interests and feelings and stakeholders. In a small church, everyone loves the 95-year-old organist who has always been our organist. Sure. In bigger churches, worship teams have lots of moving parts with lots of personalities. So, Matt, how do you suggest that a pastor or a ministry leader go about beginning the process of reforming or renewing? The worship in their church. You are trying to get me in trouble, aren't you? Yeah, let's let's offend as many people as possible Excellent. in the next three minutes. Okay,
1: so let me uh, let me give a general principle that applies not just to worship, but to church renewal overall. Mm-hmm. Is it's critical to identify the things that are required by God, that that Jesus is expecting, and the things that are optional, right? And I'm not here talking about um, elements, right? So any evangelical worship service that I've gone to in the last five years uses uh, the same elements. So I'm not talking about, you know, that we pray and sing and preach and um, uh, do sacraments. I'm not talking about that. What I mean more like is, does Jesus? Does it matter to Jesus if the thoughtful, well-led, well-played song that we sing is from the 17th century or the 20th century? If they're both theologically uh, sound and they're done well, reverently, joyfully, does Jesus care? My answer: No. Jesus doesn't care. So if Jesus doesn't care, and He is equally willing, the father's equally willing to receive the worship of his people using a 17th century song or 21st century song. Um, then perhaps the preferences that we hold, we should hold more gently. Yeah. Can
0: you give an example of that outside of music? So I would say that for some people, um, if, uh, well, I was going to say let's let's take uh, the aids we use in worship. So, thank you. So, I came from a church that loved singing hymns and loved singing hymns in parts, and I'm I was one that didn't want to give up our hymnal. I we I loved our hymnal. I liked to sing in parts. My wife, co- lots of people in our congregation did. What is required is that we sing praise to God in keeping with what the Word of God says. Yes, it is not required that every person in that congregation, sing, holding a hymnal, reading their part. So what we did was we would either print the words in the bulletin or project them on the screen and keep the hymnals in the rows so that people could do that. That was their preference. Or people who had no familiarity with a hymnal and reading music could sing off of just words that they would follow along with. That was, right, so again, this is kind of music, but it's about the aids to our music. I think it's the aids. I think that another way to do it is, um,
1: and we, we've done this uh, uh, in our church and even the uh, church that I was at this past Sunday, um, they would have the scripture reading, um, they would have the reference in the bulletin of where the scripture was, and uh, they gave a page number in the Pew Bible yeah. for you to go look at it. Now, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. and thoughtful. Yeah. Um, Some churches will put the reading actually up on the screen, right? That's good Mm -hmm. because you should expect that there are people in your pews who don't yet know how to find books in the Bible, Mm -hmm. right? Because that's an aspect of discipleship that you can, that you're competent with the order of books in the English Bible, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you should expect that there are people that don't yet know the order of the books in the English Bible. Sure. You should remedy it to also, right. but you should expect that a page number might be needed by some people. So that's a small thing where you're expecting if people are, are across the discipleship spectrum, that they're able to do it. Yeah. So another one would be, uh, and we, we touched on this earlier or in the previous one, um, the way you do preaching, mm-hmm. right? So what assumptions do you make? You said that earlier, Alan, I think, um, you know, we all know that, but just taking the time to stop and to define a word, don't be pedantic about it. Don't, you don't have to be all over it for five minutes, but just define a big word if you need to, if it's in the scriptures, right? And, and help people, uh, imagine that, that the people you're preaching to are across the discipleship spectrum. They're not all equally developed. Right. Um, and I think that that's a, a critical one if we're going to think. Uh, in a more missionary way.
0: Wait a minute. You're suggesting that if we're going to make changes to worship, it doesn't just mean music style. It means we might want our, our preachers to be more thoughtful about how they talk. How dare you, Matt I know. touch the sacred cow that is preaching. Absolutely. Um, So Matt coming back around to this, this question of how to make change, right? Worship is very personal to people. There's lots of stakeholders. Um, if a pastor or ministry leader wants to begin making changes to their worship, uh, how do they begin to navigate that? How do they begin to make those changes with all of those complex moving parts? Sure. So I can
1: tell you the way that that I've operated that in the past. In both of the churches that that I pastored, both the need of renewal, um, we did significant change to the worship in some form or another. Um, and the first thing that I did, because it's my default style, is I taught. I did preaching. I did Sunday school classes. We talked through what's what's the worship service here for. And so what that did is it gave people time to process instead of just imposing a change on them. It helped them understand why we would make a change. Give them space and time to get used to it and to help them um, distinguish those things um, that, that Jesus requires, which is very few, right, And to separate them from their preferences. And say preference isn't bad, but uh, remember, why do we exist as a congregation? We don't exist for us. We exist for them. Mm -hmm. We exist for God's glory, but God's glory is extended as we take on our uh, privilege and opportunity to be a missionary tactical team. And so we're even in our service, we're not simply thinking about us and our preferences and what we want or what we're used to. We're also thinking about them, about people being here that don't yet know Jesus or who are brand new to the congregation, who could care less what our preferences are, particularly if our preferences are going to be so dissonant for the people walking in um, that it makes the worship, what I would call it, is inaccessible. Uh, there's a degree always, as you said, I think in the first one of these, there's a, a sense in which it's always not not immediately accessible to anybody because they're entering a festival gathering that already began and we get to join each Lord's day, right? That's what Hebrews mm-hmm. says, right? So it, there's a foreignness to it no matter what. Um, but do we add on to that foreignness or do we try and make that foreignness accessible? And I
0: think that's yeah. important. I've heard you say before, and, and we'll talk more in depth about this at another point, but that church renewal is certainly more than, mm. but is not less than a series of intentional and thoughtful staged conflicts. Absolutely. I think this is an area, reforming and renewing the worship of your church, that pastors have to have some courage to have some managed and staged and intentional conflicts.
1: Yes. And because, um, the, so, and, and here's the reason why that's important. Um, we get the missionary impulse from the Great Commission. We get the style, the, the attitude, the posture of the missionary from the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 9, where he talks about becoming like a Jew to reach Jews and becoming like a Gentile uh, to reach Gentiles. The way that I put that very simply is we bend to them, and because the missionary Uh, is always seeing how they need to bend anew to the people that need to be reached now. So as culture changes, right, the missionary changes. And so what the missionary does, including Sunday worship, to a degree, ought to change so that we're bending to people uh, as they believe and think
0: currently. Um, So that's an extraordinarily important um, principle. Well, hey, that is about all the time we have for today. Uh, this topic of worship is big and complex. You could do a whole series of podcasts about it. We've already done two. We'll probably come back to it again. But as we close out, let's close out with some recommendations for our, our audience, uh, resources that might help shape their thinking as they want to, to transform their the worship of their congregation to be more joyful, more reverent, to spark renewal. So let me do it from, from sort of two two perspectives, two poles. So I
1: mentioned a little bit earlier, um, Brian Chapel's Christ-centered worship. And I think that's important for sort of reasserting um, that the point of worship is to um, re-experience the gospel, right? It's to a new come to the gospel of Christ. And then a second one that I would give that's more along the lines of um, feel, which is important. Um, that's that musical interest thing that's in, that's needed by renewal pastors, um, is the book Worship Matters, um, by Bob Coughlin, uh, who's going to help you think about more carefully think about not just that we want to exalt God, but that we want to do it in a way uh, that takes people on a journey, um, which is interestingly what a lot of the hymns do. If you look at them carefully, Mm. like a Psalm, they take you on a journey.
0: A whole worship service is a journey, and Coffin will help you with that. Great. Well, thanks for those recommendations, Matt. And thanks for joining us today. Happy to be here. You've been listening to the Church Renewal Podcast from Flourish Coaching. Uh, we'd love, I think we'd love to hear your thoughts on worship. It's such a sticky subject, but uh, reach out we'll, to us. We'll hear them. We just may not listen to them or we'll respond to them. <laughs> Reach out to us. You can reach us by email. Our director is Matt at flourishcoaching.org. I'm Alan at flourishcoaching.org. On Twitter, we're flourishcoach one. That's flourishcoach and the number one on Facebook. Just type in tinyurlcom backslash flourishfb. We do the tiny URL because there are fourteen thousand groups called Flourish Coaching on Facebook, but uh, we're the one with the beautiful tree that Brad designed for us. Thanks for listening to the Church Renewal Podcast. We at Flourish believe that there is only one fully sufficient reason that this day dawned. Jesus is yet gathering of people to himself, and he is regularly, ordinarily doing that through his church. So come along, join us as we pray for the renewal of our churches, and as we dig into the ways that Jesus is renewing his church.